Our first uh, scripture reading is from the book of Colossians, a short passage, uh, chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Wonderful words from the Apostle Paul, who gives us some instructions for our daily Christian living. He says in verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as I'm uh, beginning this morning, I want to ask a favor of you, I want you to take out your keys, whether they're in your pocket or in your purse. And I'm going to take mine out here. And I want you to hold them up. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to jingle them. One, two, three. Janet, I've just recruited new handbell choir members for you. See, it's not that hard. Now, the reason why I'm doing this is because keys are the key to the letter to the church in Philadelphia. This is a letter about keys and doors. Now, if you haven't put your keys away just yet, I want you to hold them up in front of you once again. And I want you to look at these little hunks of metal because they open the most important places in your life. One of them probably opens your home. Another one opens the key to your office or the place where you work. Then, of course, there's the key to your Ferrari. <laughs> you wish, right? I have uh, keys on my keychain that will open up all the doors to the church here and across the street. At, la at least that's what they told me when they gave them to me. But I have to tell you, so far, so good. The only time I may get a little bit nervous is if this key does not open my office door. That would be a bad sign, wouldn't it? <laughs> Seem like they're reveling in that a little too much, I'm not sure. Well, there is one key that none of us has. It's the key that is mentioned in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. The key of David dangles from the keychain of Jesus Christ. And whoever holds the key of David has more power than if he had all the keys to all the rooms in the Oval Office in Washington, D.C. The key of David opens and unlocks the future. And because it is Jesus who holds the key, he can say to people who are trapped or caught in seemingly impossible circumstances, I open a door to a new future. The church in Philadelphia is only one of two, we looked at Smyrna earlier in our series in Revelation, amongst the seven churches in Revelation that receives unqualified praise and affirmation from Jesus Christ. And that was certainly good news to the church in Philadelphia. So I want to invite you to join me as I now read from the six of the seven churches in Revelation, we'll finish things up next week, we're looking at the Philadelphia church from Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. You can follow along on the screen. 
And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Look, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but are lying, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word of patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. If you conquer, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. You will never go out of it. I will write on you the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. God, we pray now that you would open our hearts and minds, the doors of our faith to receive that which you would want us to hear and fill us with the light and life and love of Jesus Christ. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, I just read for you what it says in Revelation 3. I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. So Jesus Christ says to this church, I know, I know that you have little strength. So say hello with me this morning to a brand new bouncing baby church. It's probably the smallest and the weakest of the seven churches in Revelation. And so you might envision in your mind with me a, a church that is struggling. They've got no building. They've got no formal place to meet. The church members are struggling. They're struggling with, with huge mortgages, multiple car payments. They're, they're trying to figure out ways to save for their child's college tuition. And in addition to that, they have green and inexperienced church leaders. And on top of that, they didn't know each other very well. And then finally, in the case of Philadelphia, as they're going through these growing pains as a church, they had the added burden of rocks being thrown through their windows. Yes, it's that same saddle story of Jew versus Christian, and we've seen that in some of the other letters here. And so this is a church that is under heavy fire. They're uncertain, they're insecure, they're inexperienced, and they're being persecuted. Friends, Philadelphia Presbyterian was hanging on by its fingernails. But then one day, there comes a letter by courier postmarked from the island of Patmos. It's from John the Apostle. And as John's letter is being read aloud in worship, which is what they did with John's letters, the place grew so quiet that you could literally hear a pin drop. And the reason is this. The reason is they were afraid. They were afraid, these people, that they were going to have to close their church doors. But instead, Jesus gives them a different message. He says, I have placed before you an open door. 
And what I think Jesus is saying is this, I have set before you an incredible mission opportunity. It's to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to Jewish people. Walk through the door that I have opened before you. In fact, you know, the very people that are persecuting you right now, they're the ones that you're going to invite to sit down and worship with you. So Jesus gives them an open door to a brand new future. So let me pause and ask you a question. Do you, any of you, have a vision for your future? Are you someone this morning who is standing up on tippy toes, gazing over the horizon for what life may be like for you in 2022? Do you have a vision for your marriage, for your family, for your job, for your church, for your life of faith before God? Now, as I look out amongst those who are in the room here today, Many of you, and I do mean many of you, have been part of this church for a long time. So let me tell you what I need from you. I need for you to bring the past into the future so that we can feel the momentum of the past pushing us into the future. However, we also need the attraction of a vision that is then pulling us into the future. And the only way that we're going to be successful, the only way that we're ever going to be faithful is if we do it together. I love the story as told of the driver who was here in the southern end. It was a rainy, snowy day. He was driving along and he hit a slick spot and his car spun off into a ditch. Well, fortunately, there was a farmer who was riding by on his horse named Duke. And the farmer stopped and said, don't worry, Mr. Me and Duke will pull you out of the ditch. And so the farmer hitched Duke to the front of the man's bumper, walked over to the side of the horse and said, okay, trigger pull. Well, Duke didn't move. And so the farmer walked to the other side of Duke and said, okay, Gus, you pull. Again, Duke didn't move. And finally he said, okay, Duke, you pull. And then Duke gave this mighty surge. He pulled that, that car that was in the ditch out of the ditch and back on the road. Well, the driver was so thankful. He said, thank you so much for helping me. But I have to tell you, why in the world did you call your horse by the wrong name the first two times? And the farmer said, well, you see, it's like this. Duke's blind. And if he thought he was the only one pulling, he wouldn't move. <laughs> We will need to pull together to accomplish God's mission for us in the world. We need the boldness to walk through a door, even if it's unknown, to hear the voice of God who says, behold, behold, I do a new thing. All of us need visions. In fact, the Bible says, without vision, the people perish. And just so you know, I would not recommend that you wait around for the pastor or the elders or the deacons or the trustees to come up with all the good ideas. You may have to wait around for a while. Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church, you are to have dreams. You are to have visions for what God wants to do in and through you, through this body of Christ as well. In uh, San Francisco a couple of years ago, 
actually it's a number of years ago, a hotel was in big trouble because the elevator could no longer handle the volume of people that were at the hotel. And so the management of the hotel decided to, to want to install a larger elevator to accommodate the growth and handle the high volume people who would ride that elevator who were, and who were staying at the hotel. But after they sat down they, and they kind of got into the process a little bit, they realized that this was going to cost a boatload of money. They were going to have to make major renovations to the hotel. They were going to have to drill holes through the floor. It was going to make a big mess. They were going to have to make room for a brand new, larger elevator shaft. Well, a custodian overheard the conversation and the custodian spoke up. He said, you know, if you're doing all these things that you're talking about, you're going to have to shut the hotel down with all this construction we're going to have to close. And the management team looked around at each other and said, yeah, we know that's what we're going to have to do, but what else are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? We need a bigger elevator. And so the custodian thought for a minute, he said, you know, what would you like to know what I would do if I were you? And that management team, they just sort of chuckled and said, yeah, you tell us what, what you would do if we were you. And the custodian said, well, what I would do is I would put the elevator on the outside of the building. And suddenly, lights and bells and whistles went off over the people's heads, and they got real quiet. And for the very first time, they put an elevator on the outside of the hotel. And now, today, that's a popular design in a lot of high-rise hotels. But think about it. It's all because a custodian spoke up. He shared his vision. Do you want to know what my vision is? Do you want to know what my vision is? <laughs> crickets, crickets. I'll tell you my vision. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's for all of you to have vision. Beyond that, I do have vision. It's for this church to be a growing, vibrant, healthy church where we have ministries for the youngest person to the oldest person. I have a vision that we have inspiring worship that sort of meets the needs of people who have different tastes in music and in media. I have a vision where we, where we create fellowship events that allow us to bond together as the body of Christ. I have a vision where we have discipleship and, and learning classes where we're able to grow in our love and knowledge of God. I have a vision where we become more involved in mission and service that meets the needs of the people who are in pain around us. Well, no matter what we do, all the people that we reach through the ministries of this church are going to need one thing. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have a need to know the love of his cross. They have a need to know about a love that has set them free. So how in the world will these visions come about? How are they going to take on a three-dimensional reality? One word, obedience. I read earlier in verse 8, I know that you have little strength and yet you have kept my word. And then just a couple verses down, in verse 10, it says, you have kept my commands. 
See, God opens the door, but our obedience is what turns the key. And you know, if you think about it, this is true even in the secular world. The players in tonight's Super Bowl from the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams, there's no way they could have ever achieved the success that they have, ever have gotten to the level of athleticism, to the pinnacle of the big game, without obeying their coach. Those wonderfully gifted figure skaters that you've been watching in the, in the Winter Olympic Games, there's no way they could have done a double axle or a triple toe loop they had not obeyed their skating coach. Back when I was in seminary, I resented having to stay up late to learn all those Princeton $3 theological words like eschatology and soteriology and predestination and sanctification. But you know, I think, I think it's made me a better pastor. What do you think would happen if an F-14 jet decided not to fly in formation with other members of the squadron? wouldn't work. Instead, they are under orders to obey in order to be successful in their mission. So obedience is the key to life. And as a Christian, what we're saying is, I, I'm under orders. And in the Philadelphia church, they were under orders to take the gospel to Jewish people. Now, it's interesting to me in looking at this letter. In the letters that we've looked at previously, we hear over and over Jesus saying, repent, repent, you need to repent. You know that repent means I'm going in one direction, I stop in my tracks, I turn around, and I go in the opposite direction. That's repentance. But what Jesus says to this church in Philadelphia is different. He says, don't you dare turn around and go back. Your command is to go forward. I've opened a door for you. Now go and walk through it. And friends, I believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and ready, willing and able to equip you and me to carry on with the gospel and Christ's life-changing work. It's the Holy Spirit who will open the door for our lives, and through that door, we can do a lot of amazing and exciting things here. So remember, our call, our call as God's people is to obey and walk through that open door. Because, you know, if you think about it, I get the feeling that God gets a little bit tired standing there holding that door open while we sort of sit on the fence waiting for us to walk through that door. Instead, God says, walk through the door that is open that I've set before you. Last question. If I were to ask you who is the most beloved movie character of all time, who would you say? Shirley Temple? <laughs> oh, 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 okay. I, I was going along the lines of Forrest Gump. Anybody else? Mickey Mouse. Indiana Jones. E.T. Movie character, okay? I bet, though, if you think about it and let it mull around in your mind for a little bit, you might come up with Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. We still can hear that song in our head that Judy Garland sings. Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high, there's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby. Somewhere over the rainbow, skies are blue, and the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true. Dorothy opens the door to that house 
that has landed in Oz after the, tor after the tornado. And she opens it up to a brilliant technicolor world of rainbows and yellow brick roads and the hopes and dreams for a better tomorrow. Well, friends, God has opened a door for you too. And his call to you and me is to walk through it. And then God's call is also for you to remember that the one who opens the door is also the one who has promised to walk through it with us. And so, my friends, Chestnut Level Presbyterian, what are you waiting for? Let's walk through this door and let's walk through it together. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word that comes to us. We thank you for the many, many doors that you have opened to our lives that have enabled us to grow and mature and become more Christ-like in our walk with you each and every day. And yet, Lord, we are all works in progress. There is more work to be done. And so give us the the courage, give us the boldness, give us the love to continue to obey and follow you because we are under orders to carry forth the gospel wherever it may be that you take us. And it's to the glory of Jesus Christ that we do pray these things. Amen.